Welcome to Curious Insights from History. I'm John Walker, and I know enough history to be dangerous. Super glad you're listening to the show today. Hello there, friends and neighbors. Welcome to another show. I'm super excited about today's story. This is a story I love, so we're going to get right to it. We go to London, England for this story. We're going to start with a man by the name of Humphrey Davy. Humphrey Davy was a great scientist back in 1812, so great, in fact, that he was knighted. He became known as Sir Humphrey Davy, great scientist and showman, and he produced a show every week or two that it was greatly desired by the people to come to. He uh, put on a pyrotech display. He was evidently romantic, eloquent, full of passion. People loved his shows. He was a scientist who had gained notoriety earlier by using nitrous oxide, one of the first people to use that. That's laughing gas, and you can be sure that people were very interested in the early uses of that. He also discovered the elements potassium and sodium. He ran electricity through uh, molten compounds. So he produces this show, and these shows are very well attended. And I guess one of the most important things about one of these shows is a young man and his audience. There's a young man by the name of Michael Faraday who sits in his audience and takes really good notes. Who was Michael Faraday? He was a young, when he was a young fellow, they sent him to school. He didn't stay in school very long. Evidently, he had trouble pronouncing his R's. He had a brother named Robert, but when he said it, it was Wobbert. And evidently, in that day, they were trying to beat that problem out of him, and his mother said, well, we're not going to put up with that. For one reason or another, he, he had a very, very limited education. He got a job as an errand boy. He finally got a job as a bookbinder. He was very good with his hands and evidently a very good worker. Funny thing about working for a bookbinder, there's a lot of books around. And it wasn't long until in 1809 he got a hold of a book called Improving the Mind by a man named Isaac Watts. Yes, that's the same Isaac Watts that wrote the hymn Joy to the World and probably a dozen in your hymn books. And this book inspired Michael Faraday to try to be something, to try to improve himself. He would try the experiments that other scientists had done because Isaac Watts had encouraged him that you need to do it yourself. You need to actually see it. You actually need to actually feel it. And he followed that response and kind of became a amateur kind of scientist in a way. He told his friends, you can correct my language. In fact, please correct my language. If I say something wrong, I want to get it right. He was, this is an unusual attitude. You don't hear that very much. He took elocution lessons, elocution lessons for a couple of years. He became really excited about trying to improve himself and trying to be something Took great notes. I mentioned he took great notes. He uh, bound them, and it, frequently when he did that work, people were impressed with it. Uh, at his book bindery, there was one day a man came in and saw some notes that Faraday had taken and had bound and was uh, going to present to someone, and he was very impressed. The man's name was Dance. And Dance thought, you know, this is a fine young fella. He deserves tickets to go see the wonderful Humphrey Davy. And so he gave him the tickets, and that's why we find Michael Faraday in the audience of the great Humphrey Davy. 
he took those notes that he had made while at that presentation and he bound them the way he always did and eventually got the opportunity to present them to Humphrey Davy. Davy was impressed but had no opportunities for him to work for him. Um, Faraday was wanting to work, but finally he got a job as a bottle washer in Humphrey Davy's lab. And that was the beginning of one of the most significant scientists in history. This story of Michael Faraday comes from a book that I just absolutely love. It's Michael Faraday's Life and Work by Alan Hirschfeld. I thought it was a fantastic book. Now, i got to tell you the truth here. I've suggested this book to a couple of people, in fact, a few people, and pretty much the general response is, meh. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm way out of line on this one, but I really enjoyed the book. I guess I love the story. As a matter of fact, nobody gets quite as excited about Faraday as I do, but I love this story. I absolutely think it's a fantastic story. Super inspiration for me. So what did Michael Faraday do? He got, he got the book. He learned to improve himself. He's the first guy to build an electric motor. First guy to build an electric generator. He gave us induction, several other things. And in 1845, at the Royal Institute, where he was a very important person, he had scheduled somebody to speak, and the person couldn't come. And Michael Faraday filled in. And when he filled in, he gave what is called a ray vibration talk. His ray vibration talk. This is a famous speech. And he's talking about the possibility that when electricity goes, there may be a wave that comes off of this. There's some kind of vibration. There's something going on here with electricity that seems to be vibrating. There seems to be a wave. Seems to be something or other. Everybody in the audience said, what in the world is he talking about? Scientists later on said, you know, what he's talking about is something very, very significant. Electromagnetic waves. He's the first to hint at electronic, electromagnetic waves. And, of course, electromagnetic waves are what makes our cell phones work. What makes our whole world run, really. They say that Faraday is one of the greatest experimental physicists in history. I say, fooey, he is the greatest. He is the greatest. Interesting to me, Einstein has three portraits on his wall. One is Sir Isaac Newton, and one is James Clerk Maxwell, brilliant man, and the other is Michael Faraday, pretty high honor. To me, this is just great history. You got a guy who has no education. He speaks like Elmer Fudd. He gets a job as a bookbinder. He comes across a book about self-improvement. He reads the book. He gets excited about becoming something. He starts reading all kinds of books, reads history books, reads a lot of science books, does experiments, gets a job as a bottle washer, and parlays a bottle washer job into becoming one of the greatest scientists of all time. Now, I'm telling you, that's great history. Great history. No formal education. There's interesting to me how many people that are famous that do not have any education. They had to do it on their own. A uh, short list here. Mark Twain, no education. Ernest Hemingway, Nikola Tesla, Wilbur Wright, Galileo dropped out of college. And then you got people like Abraham Lincoln and Benjamin Franklin. And of course, Harry Truman, who we've talked about a few times. A lot of people had to do it on their own. Your vocabulary word for the day is autodidact. That's what you call somebody who is self-taught. And I think that being self-taught is a great thing. I don't want to diss universities. Certainly, 
universities have produced tons of great minds. The list of the graduates of Harvard and their accomplishments is very, very impressive. But to me, it's not whether you can get, get to go to school or whether you don't. It's an attitude that says, I want to learn. I want to improve. I want to be better. So how do those guys do it if they didn't go to college? They have to decide. They have to decide they're going to learn. And I'm telling you, with every one of them, they spend a lot of time reading. Reading. A few years ago, I was told that I should be reading more, should be reading good books. I should be spending time reading. This came from a man named Pat Williams. He's, I'm an Orlando Magic fan, not because of anybody that plays on the court, but because of Pat Williams, who is in the front office. He believes that we all ought to be reading. He's written several books, and he believes you ought to be reading books all the time. And, and I agree with him, and I think that can be life-changing for us. You know, Napoleon said, only give them history books. Men should read nothing else. Now, I don't want to say we should read nothing else. And certainly, read whatever you want to read. But if we can read good books, to me, I'm a witness to this. Good books can change your life. They give you a perspective. They give you inspiration. They let you know what is possible, what can happen, what has happened. Gives you confidence. Gives you everything you need to do some things. One of the things also that as you read and as you learn about great men of history, it's almost a given that the great people of history were big readers. Over and over and over, you come across somebody that's famous in history who read quite a bit. And frequently, they read a lot. They read all the time. Well, this is a big story to me. This is great history. It's a great inspiration. Michael Faraday becomes this great scientist from absolutely nowhere. It's kind of an underdog story, I guess, but it's also a be something, try something, learn something, read a good book, do the things that can make you something. And I think that we were going to be happier people if we do those things. Sometimes we spend our lives uh, just watching and, and observing and, and not trying to, to grow and to become better. And I think we're missing out on a huge benefit in our lives and a few, huge blessing for how we're going to feel about ourselves and what we're going to do. Well, I don't want to get to preaching too much, but this is one of my favorite stories. I hope you like it. I hope it's an inspiration to you uh, that we can do more. We are put together by God to learn, to improve, to become. We can be more. I hope that helps you. Hey, read a good book and try something new. Thank you.